Pizzuri gets to Nisna, makes a nice move in across the line, drops it back, connected, connected, cuts the shot, they score! Oscar Lindblom buries it, and the power play goal ties this game in two! Episode 69 of the Liberty Yell, Danny Deemer here with Chris Stumpo. As always, how are you, buddy? Dude, I'm fantastic, 2-0-1, beautiful weather outside, there's no complaints here. Game on Saturday. Let's go, baby, 2-0-1, I mean, that's the exact start that we wanted i mean 2-0-1 is i mean obviously 3-0 would be awesome but that vancouver game was was good they showed some good flashes in that vancouver game i'm sure we'll get to it uh i want to start this off with the updates that we received today is there any way you could run by me uh just a quick little injury update yeah so cam agison and ellis both were out today at practice uh maintenance days av said but he said Atkinson, he's more confident in Atkinson being in the lineup tomorrow than he is Ellis. Um, he said Ellis is dealing with some bumps and bruises, but should be ready to go uh, next week for that Western road trip. So that's good. But it's not good that he's he's out right now. Uh, it's definitely, I mean, I don't want to assume anything about an injury. It's the last thing I would want to do, but it's got to be something more than bumps and bruises, right? Um, well, if he's only going to miss one game... You're right, though. It's like there's a reason he's missing a yeah, game. I'm, I'm sure yeah. it's I'm sure it's nothing that's going to affect his long term outlook, but it's definitely a little bit something more than a than a bumps and bruise. I hope Ellis gets better. Um, yeah, like bumps and bruises. These guys play with like yeah, so, ripped hernias, dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, well, let's hope it's only one game, two games, three games. I mean, that would really suck if it starts to snowball. Braun is the guy that's going to be replacing him tomorrow on that pair we saw Provorov and Braun a little bit last year and they played well for the time that they were together so how about Braun with three points to start the year (laughs) I just wanted to bring that up when he scored against Seattle I was like I remember just sitting downstairs and just looking around like what what dimension am I in like what's going like this dude flew down the wing and then like a nice little wrist shot and it went in I was like my first thought I was like oh that's how you know like it's bad pack your bags Seattle, it's over. It's a, when Justin Braun scores on you and the whole team is selling and like everyone looks so fired up because he scored, dude, it's over for you. How good was doing that to Seattle with Haxtell behind there? I loved the it. And like the, the camera would cut to him and his Dude. smug face. Just said, I remember at one point he had his like one leg up on the bench, like looking like, like an angry principal. Like, I, dude, it was so awesome. Chewing his so- gum. I mean,. That's the exact facial expression that we've had from him for, what, how, how many years was he here, dude? Five? I always like, go back and remind myself, he was here for a long time. Dude. He, I think he's like third on the... <laughs> it's a fucking on joke. The third on the coach's it's, game, games list. It's a list. fucking joke, bro. Like, I, I understand that he didn't have the best roster. I mean, if you go back and look at the rosters that he had to deal with, I mean, you could definitely defend him. With that, I mean, just some trash rosters. I'm sorry, but some of the decisions that he made within those rosters were just so incredibly dumb. Like, okay, were the Flyers going to be good the year that he sat Limblom for Laterra? I mean, probably not. But the fact that you still did that is just mind blowing. And he didn't do it because Limblom was playing bad. He just wanted to do it because he's Hackstall and he wanted to to start Laterra as like two C or three. Wherever the fuck Laterra was playing, bro. Yeah, I feel like he knew he was on the way out. Like, he yeah. knew he was gonna be, going to be fired, and he was like, one last fuck you. One, That's exact- one last go fuck yourself, I guess. But, I mean, I guess we get the final laugh. I mean, For sure. it's still not over yet. I mean, our luck. Seattle wore t- 
turn this entire thing around, look like a juggernaut, juggernaut by April, and then just go on a tear like Vegas did. And that, that'll be our luck, especially after shooting on Hackstall in this episode, because a lot of that will happen. This is the only oh, it's time, a lock now. This is the only time that we'll talk about Dave Hackstall, and it's the only reason is because we just played him, and we haven't talked since. So I will talk shit on him. I don't care. <laughs> I don't. So uh, the Flyers went in and picked up a huge win against the Bruins. Huge. I mean, uh, the Bruins faced have, adversity. The Bruins have had our number for for years now. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, it's, this game actually seemed like a, a past Bruins game. We went up early, and then they came back and scored. Marshawn, of course, tying the game up. It just felt like a same kind of game from years previous. But then this team turned around and and showed that this is not the same team that we've seen. And they answered the bell completely different. They came out in that third period and completely answered the bell. I mean, that was like a different team. The message Atkinson said, like, in the locker room when they went in there for the second intermission, like, there was nobody panicking. Everybody was loose, smiling. Like, everybody knew what had to be done, and they went out and did it. And, like, the way they came out, I remember, I think Thompson's line was the first line, and they immediately entered the offensive zone. It was either Thompson's line or, or Couturier's line. They immediately entered the offensive zone, and they had pressure right behind the Boston net. I'm pretty sure it was Couturier now that I'm thinking about it. But the way they came out in that third period was so refreshing to see, not just because they won the game, but just in previous years, they do not come out in the third period like that, like the way they did. It was really refreshing to see. And then to get the classic TK dagger, like that's something he does two years ago. I remember he was doing that to teams what felt like every game. Yeah. Third period, he would just snipe it and just take the game for us. But um, like you said, even two years ago, I think that's a game at the very least. We it goes to OT, OT like it yeah. finds a way to like go to OT, and maybe we lose in a shootout, maybe we win. But to go out in the third period down three three, and you mentioned Atkinson's interview at the intermission, and I want to add to that because he had another part to it where he said uh, the Bruins are a great veteran team, and we were kind of on our heels to start the game a little bit. If we start getting confident and start playing like the fast system that we play against this team, we think it'll be bad for them. And that's exactly what happened. They got more confident as the game went on. And um, the Broussard line is just cash money, dude. I mean, dude. Broussard, what a deal Broussard is looking right now. I mean, we got that guy for $900,000 right now, and he has he's second in the team in points with five points, one goal, four assists. Uh, I just actually I just want to say this real quick. Joel Faraby leads the team with six points. Mm-hmm. Number two, Derek Broussard, five like you said. Tied for two, Keith Yandel, five like you said. Another new addition. And then there's a th- four-way tie for fourth. And two of those players are Cam Atkinson and Ryan Ellis with four points. Something... So all the new additions are on the top five list. Exactly. To start the year. That's exactly what I was just actually uh, what I wanted to just bring up because not only. Oh, they all showing up on the, the point totals when you go on NHL app and look that up. But if you go and look at the goals scored from each game, from the Vancouver game to that Seattle game to Boston, I'll read the list off to you. Vancouver, it went Faraby, Atkinson, Drew, uh, Faraby, Atkinson, Konechny, Drew. Seattle, it went Konechny, Broussard, Ellis, Braun, Faraby, and then Drew. And then Boston, it went Atkinson, Faraby, Lawton, Atkinson, and Konechny, Couturier. The theme for all three of those, when I look at those names, is a mixture of... Drafted kid, veteran, and then acquisition we just got all mixing in and scoring goals. I mean, you got Konechny against Seattle, the Broussard edition, Ellis, and then you got Faraby. 
And then in Boston, Atkinson scored, Faraby scored, and then you had Couturier dabble in with Atkinson dabble in. It, it's everyone, the young kids, the veterans, the acquisitions that we just got. Everyone is just playing on this, the, the same page right now, bro. It's really nice to see a, an actual hockey team with depth. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's good to see, um, and we talked about this with the Bruins game, a team play a full 60 minutes and just take the game. All come three. Out the third period and take All the three game. games were good games. Like, that Vancouver game, we lost in a shootout, but that was a good hockey game. It really was. Like, we came back, we tied that game up. I mean, Drew's call on that play, Danny. I mean, are you are you kidding me? Could you, like, his reaction, I mean, you commented on it, you, you tweeted it out, his celebration first game back in the building in, in in almost a year and a half two years i mean what a moment dude that was such a good game even though we lost i think overtime should be 10 fucking minutes i mean i'll say it till the day i die but uh, just vintage claude Giroux right there then his celebration said everything yeah and we said it last episode just how like the energy he's came with into the season it really seems like he's shooting first Again, like like he is not hesitating to just bomb the puck, and I absolutely love to see that. Nobody's hesitating. That's the thing. Every like Konechny's goal was a beautiful snipe, but his hesitation move right before he shot I know. it just it just tells me everything that I need to know. He's so confident. He's playing underneath of his feet. You know what I mean? Like he's like he's just playing very very confident right now, and like everyone's contributing. The young kids. Giroux's celebration gave gave me chills, bro. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, because it was the first game and the fans back in, and it, it hit me that it was the first time since March 2020 where I actually, like, the Flyers score a goal and I hear a loud pop. Like, I'm, yeah. going, I'm going to hear, like, a meaningful one. And uh, I remember my, my dad saying, like, damn, that's a heartbreaking loss after you come back like that. And I was like, to me, that's a win. Like, I said it right after the game. I was like, that's a win for the locker room. They're going to go in there and know that they're not out of a game. I think that game did more for them going into the Seattle and Boston games than if they would have maybe won. Like, I think the uh, that that game did a lot for them. I think it taught them that they can come back in a game even if they're down 4-2 with two minutes to go. Yeah, I see I see where you're going with that. Obviously, they would have liked it if they won the game. But but they still got a point. Yeah, for sure. They still got a point. But like you said, I mean, you bring up a great point. The first game of the season, brand new kind of team, new faces and all that, and the first game... You show yourselves and you show your teammates that you're never going to be out of a game. I mean, I, it's really, like you said, it's really nice to get that kind of game out of the way. A scratch and claw kind of game. Come back, final seconds of the of the match and score. I mean, your captain pots the, the game-tying goal. I mean, it, like you said, definitely. Like, going into the locker room, that's definitely a, definitely a game that you want to get out of the way early. Um, and then you get the blowout the game after. That's definitely a game that you want to get out early as well because as good as blowouts can be, they can really get to your head sometimes, especially early in the season. So, like, I kind of liked it that they got humbled in the first game, and then they came out and they had their game against Seattle. And then they came out against Boston, a really good team, got outplayed the first half, and then came back and won. Like, they, they outplayed Boston outplayed Boston uh, after, like, the, the first period and a half, I thought, even though Boston outshot, uh, outshot them. Yeah, Martin Jones played great. Great. 37 of 40. I mean, he did everything that we needed him to do to stay in that game. We're not asking them to save uh, Taylor Hall in the breakaway. I mean, that was risk the Lions' fault if we're going to be serious. I mean, it's really tough for him to be for us to be asking him to save thirty-five plus shots a game and then trying to stop Taylor Hall on the breakaway. I mean, come on now, that was a terrible, terrible play by Risto Lion. We'll talk more about him, but 
Absolutely. I just wanted to get into the goalies for a second. Just for sure. the, the story after the first game was everyone was concerned with Carter Hart because of that one soft goal he let up. All, like and, two and three of them were soft, dude. They were all weird goals against Vancouver, to be honest with you, except for the Pedersen one where he had like all day to shoot it. Yeah. And um, for him to get that bounce back game against Seattle, and for him to be the reason why the momentum shifted in that way, like these are all things that you love to see early in the season. Like there's questions about your goalie. He has a momentum changing save in game two that allows you to obliterate Seattle and it gets the Jets going. Every question mark, it seems like, and I know it's only three games, every question mark seems like it hasn't has a little answer to it so far. So and far a good one. So far definitely answering the bell for sure. I, I generally think that might be saver of the year, like a, a contender to be in the conversation for at least the first couple months of the season. That was an incredible save, dude. No wonder why they got the boys going and we blew out Seattle 6-1. That was just a, a Carter Hart kind of save. Like that. Like I said with Konechny, the little shimmy move before he shot that goal, that's how I know that he's on. Carter Hart making that kind of save, that kind of way, and then sending the team onto a 6-1, just absolute dismantle kind of of a game. That's how you know Carter Hart's on. I'm really excited to see what he does against the Florida because Florida's 4-0. They beat really good teams, so it's going to be a test. Absolutely, and like this, remember how when we were talking about Martin Jones starting, everyone was like, put Hart in against the elite team and then start start Jones against the Panthers. Mm -hmm. Well, it's going to be hard. I think this game is going to be much harder than the Boston game. Hold on, hold on. Before we even get to that, the elite team right now is Florida. Exactly. So, like, that was the right move. Florida is the elite team. Like, Florida has 4-0 right now. And I'm, like the first two games, I'm pretty. I mean, I'm. I know we had a lot of goals the first two games, but like first two games, they had like eleven, I think. And they've beaten Peng, the Penguins, who have been playing good without Crosby and Malkin, the Lightning, who they're out Kucherov right now. I mean, they didn't start out too hot, but they're still the Lightning, the Islanders, and then the Avalanche. Those are all teams, all really good teams. They're always going to play you hard, and they came out. They're four and zero, and. I mean, I'm sure they're feeling themselves, so they're going to come into Philly tomorrow looking to go 5-0, and man. So it's going to be a test. It's like a, it's another, like, primetime type game. I know it's not on primetime, but, like, if they wanted it to, they could have put this on ESPN on Saturday, Abs- and it would have been freaking huge. Flex it. Flex it right now because, like you just said, this could be a really, really – I actually – I wonder what game is on ESPN that night because whatever it is, I bet you it's not going to be as good as a game as this is going to be. Uh, it's Saturday, so I have to imagine like they're just going to take college football that day and just uh, true. plaster it everywhere. I didn't even think about that. You're completely right, yeah. Now that hockey's on ESPN, we have to take that into account now on Saturdays and, and Sundays. Um, yeah. That's- well, did you see the schedule last Sunday? It was one game, <laughs> <Yeah>. 5 p.m., <laughs> Dallas Stars versus Ottawa Senators. I was like, what? When Even when we played on Wednesday, there was the, the Blues... Vegas game right after, and then that was it. Like, how you? I'm, I'm liking the TNT doubleheaders, by the way. Loving TNT as a as a whole. Like uh, Gretzky, Paul Bissonnette, all those guys on the. It's amazing. It's, awesome. it's really amazing. I, I I constantly find myself thinking while I'm watching these, like God, hockey needed this so badly. Like it makes me happy to see. It really does as a hockey fan. Them them busting on Bissonnette and stuff. It, it's it's it, it really nice to see, especially. It's, Cool to see Gretzky up there, too, given his two cents into everything. Yeah, dude, having the goat up there, it's freaking sick. 
it is really cool. TNT's done a great job. Um, the Seattle game, two fights. Nick Sealer and Nate Thompson. Yeah. Two awesome fights. These weren't one of them fights where the guys, like, grapple each other for a second and then immediately fall to the ice. Like, these were scraps. Like, mixed martial arts headlining scraps right here. And Oleski's, like, four inches taller than Sealer, I think. Maybe two or three. I, I forget. But he is a lot bigger than Sealer. Yeah, he's... Alexiak, dude, he is big. He's a beast. He's, he's terrifying, dude. So, the fact that Nick Sealer stood up and and fought him is, is awesome. Like, the way that both those guys, both Dane Thompson and Sealer fought that night were, were awesome to me. Because, like, both were doing it in defense of, like, their teammates. Thompson was doing it because Bastion touched Giroux. I mean, and you don't do that. And these veteran players that we've acquired... Broussard, Thompson, Zach McEwen, like all these guys have, have come out and said like no one is going to touch our star players this year. Giroux, Provera, Farabee, none of these guys will be touched this year. So it's really nice to see that. I mean, I, like we Limblom had to fight last year. Yeah, I mean, I, we'll I was just gonna say everyone, up. everyone, everyone always brings that one up, and like that that's not gonna happen anymore. I, it's it. You hate to bring it up, but at the end of the day. Like, if you really look at that situation, it's disgusting, the fact that he had to he had to drop the gloves. Like, he had to come to a realization and look around and be like, none of these fucking guys are going to do it, so I have to? Like, that really does piss me off. And I'm, I'm so glad that I'm sure Chuck and AV both looked at that situation. I'm sure that had a little bit to do with it. I mean, I'm sure not all of it, obviously. But I'm so glad that they were... They bunkered down. Like, that is just not going to happen. Because even... Our 12th forward, Patrick Brown, like he's a tough physical bottom six guy who will not take any shit. Like he's just loading up on these kind of guys. Garrett Wilson's in the AHL. Like, he's. It's nice to see because you can throw these guys on the fourth line. I'm gonna have no. Like, you're not gonna hear any complaints out of me and you. Like we're not like the fourth line players just bring a different element to the game than the first three lines do. Like, I, I I hate hearing like oh. I hate having this plug on. Like, I see this all the time. I hate seeing Thompson on this, on uh, 4C when Frost is in the AHL. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, that's... The fourth line is just a completely different animal. Like, you're just... You're not the most skilled player when you're playing on the fourth line. You're not the highest paid. But you're there for a reason. You're there to do a job. And Thompson and does Energy that job. shifts, yeah. Morgan Frost is not a 4C. Like, I, I just I hate seeing that argument. It really does piss me off. Because people just don't understand that there are certain roles that you need in the lineup. And Thompson definitely brings... Like, Tom, me and you aren't big Thompson fans. Like, Thompson frustrates me in the offensive zone. He really does. Like, there are a couple of plays where he could have had a, he, he could have started a really nice breakout. He could have made a really nice pass, and he just loses the puck and, like, doesn't do it. He Okay, like, you got to deal with that because he's a fourth-line player probably playing eight, nine minutes a game, and he brings a certain element to the team that we needed. I'm not going to get mad because he turns the book over every once in a while. It, it is frustrating. Definitely. It's there. Don't trust me. You watch a game with me and Danny, we'll be screwed. fuck Thompson during the moment. But obviously at the end of the game, it's not a big deal if you're fourth line centers even when he's playing eight, nine minutes. I liked what I saw out of McEwen in that game. I love his, his physical presence. I mean, I already knew this because I watched one game with him uh, on Vancouver this year in the preseason, I believe, where uh, he was the guy who fought Zach Cassian when he got yeah. hurt in that fight, you know? Mm-hmm, but he hit his head. And, like, yeah. And, but that whole game, he was playing, like, McEwen was playing, like, physical, throwing the body the whole time. And that was, like, really the only way, the only time I've seen him play, the only way I knew him. 
So I knew he was going to add that physical presence, but dude, as soon as he got on the ice, I'm pretty sure he he checked two dudes off the puck. He last, did. He did. His, his first shift, he hit a dude right off the bat. And for that being his first game, especially after dealing with like the visa issues and all that, one practice, I mean, I wasn't expecting too much of him. So the fact that he got involved physically right off the bat, I'm sure that's something that he wanted to do just to like kind of get his feet under him. So, yeah, I, give... I say let's give him like four or five games until we seriously sit down and like discuss him because number one he hasn't had a ton of practice and number two he's probably a little bit rusty from all that visa issues so but overall I do like his his uh, his game how how big he is he plays the game real heavy loves to hit and he's a lot more skilled than people probably give him credit for so we'll see what he can do with uh, Thompson and then. Uh, we'll see where if NAK sticks there, uh, especially if when Hayes comes back and then Lawton's got to drop down. Like, like people got to know you, you're playing for a roster spot now because you got a couple of guys knocking at the door. Like, Hayes is going to be back. Uh, Allison's going to be back this year. Morgan Frost isn't going to be in the AHL all year, so NAK's got to pick his game up, or he will be not. He will not be here anymore. Yeah, I've been disappointed in the start of the season. That one penalty was really stupid. The other. Which game was that? Was that in the Boston game? Cracking game, I think. Cracking game. But he had two brutal turnovers in that Boston game in the first period. The one led to a goal. So he's AV said today that he has some has some things that he needs to clean up. So the coaches already publicly acknowledged that he needs to to work on a couple things. So he's definitely a guy that I'm looking at. Where I'm like, if he doesn't start picking things up, that he's gonna be looking out. To add to your point to the physical presence thing and the difference from last year to this year like you guys you can see it on the players who don't fight like they have more bite to them they have more oh i don't my. give a fuck to them like Konechny, Giroud, guys who aren't they're they're scrappy but they're, they get a little scrappier when they have you know like big security guards behind them of course of course bobby clark said it all the time bobby clark was like the reason why i was allowed to get away with the shit that i got away with was because I had the Broad Street Bullies behind me. Nobody was going to fuck with me knowing that these guys were behind me. You know what I mean? So that's a great thing that you bring that up because I, w- I was going to tweet out during the Boston game. After a whistle, Sanheim and Aristo were out there. Uh, a little scrum in front of Jones started. And then Sanheim was like throwing punches. Like throwing haymakers at this dude's face. And I'm like... I have never seen this from Sanheim, except for like when he fought Gerby and got beat the fuck up that one time. But other than that, like I, Sanheim's throwing punches. I, I'm sitting there like, oh, like I, I stood up off my couch. I started screaming, and then I was like, oh yeah, Risto is right behind him. Risto's right there. Like I mean, Risto's probably touching shoulders with him. So if anybody touches Sanheim, Risto's gonna grab him by the head. So it's a great that you bring that up because that's something that I noticed in that game. Sanheim is even throwing a little bit more punches than he usually would. So yeah, like. When you have guys like that around you, you become a little bigger. You become a little uh, meaner, a little bit more physical, a little bit more of a, uh, a fighter. You know what I mean? When you got guys like that around you, for sure. It's awesome that you bring that up. Like, TK has that, that cockiness back to him. He does. And that, that he had two years ago. That's bad news. TK and Fairby right now are just scoring at will right now, man. Combined for five goals fairby with three connect no connecting has three too they combined for six goals right now so let's go man incredible stuff it is i remember just a couple of years ago when i was saying to you like imagine because when connecting hit year three that's really when he started finishing more and becoming a better player i was like imagine 
three, four years into Farabee's career when he does what TK did and explodes and then maybe becomes an all-star. And it's just cool to see like them both doing good on the team together right now to start the year because a lot is always made of the slow starts. For the last decade, it feels like uh, win one, lose one, lose two, win one, like to start a season. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know I, we ain't 6-0-1 or anything like that, but just to have this jumping off point starting off a, a homestand especially like you you want to take all the points you can if you're starting the year at home and um dude, this is huge and this florida game is going to be huge well i mean like you said you would rather get off to a to a good start than not especially when you're on a four game homestand to start the season so and your team is like new yeah yeah it's the first three games have gone extremely, extremely well. Obviously, the only way it could have been better if we won that shootout, that skills competition against Vancouver. I, I really wish they'd go 10, uh, 10 minutes with the overtime. It, it ruins great hockey. Like, that was a great hockey game, dude. Completely ruined. I didn't even watch the shootout. I, I don't usually blame don't. you. My dad hasn't watched a shootout in fucking six, in, how old am I? In 22 years. My dad has not watched a shootout. He refused, like, we, we will watch a game. We will watch a game from the first period to overtime. He will shut the game off as soon as the clock hits zero, and he will tell me to go downstairs and finish the shootout. Cause he just That's what I did on Friday, bro. Season it. opener. Season opening game. And I, as soon as they went to a shootout, I was like, wow. I invested 65 minutes into a game that produced, like, chilling moments for me, like the Giroux goal. Like, a great game. Like, the crowd was going. Amazing game. I'm just of the mindset, like, I don't want to see the game ruined like that. Yeah, I'll no, just, yeah. I'll, I'll just turn it off and get the result on my phone in two minutes, because it's usually a loss anyway. It's so. 90, 94% of the time, it's a it's a fat L, dude, because we just, we fucking suck at shootouts, dude. Like, I don't know what it is, <laughs> I don't know what curse got put upon us, but we are god-awful in shootout. Even with, like, really good shootout players and like Giroux Lawton's incredibly good on on breakaways for some weird reason <laughs> uh, JVR is really good on shootouts as well it, it, it is extremely weird that we just cannot seem to ever win a shootout ever it's really frustrating for sure good to, I think a lot of it has to do with the people they put in I mean they always put Giroux in there that's an obvious one but like I feel like it should be Lawton Giroux Faraby yeah Giroux's gotta go second Giroux should never lead off Lawton should lead off, and then uh, either Fairview or JVR third for me. Yeah, I mean, that's that'd be my shootout lineup for sure. And I have a question for you. Ready? Might have an answer. And uh, I was going to ask you this question right before Fairview scored his first goal of the game against Boston. Like, I literally had the text sent out, Yeah. but he scored a goal on the power play. I was going to say, does a part of you want him to just get in Couturier's spot on the first power play at all? Why, in the slot where Couturier is? That yeah, Couturier's been on the right wall. I mean, if he keeps putting putting up the points that he is and he keeps scoring, the, I, I don't know. Because they might just want, they might like the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the depth on both sides of the power play. They might like just kind of evening out that depth and keeping Farabee on that second power play unit because he's producing so many goals. Because like him and Atkinson on that second power play unit have been money. I mean, that line with Broussard has been so fun to watch. And Atkinson and Farabee definitely have something together. So I don't That's know. why I didn't send you that text because as soon as I had it typed up, the second power play unit... Because I was going to send it because I saw a couple plays where 
Yandel gave it to Couturier, and there was just some hesitation, and I was like, Faraby doesn't hesitate there. He bombs that bitch. And um, it just had me dreaming about, like, a situation where the puck goes back to Yandel, and I'm like, who's he going to give it to? Giroux for a one-timer or a dime pass? Or Faraby, and he's going to either have a one-timer or give somebody a dime pass. Like, There's an argument to be made that the second power play unit is better than the first right now. Oh, I think it's absolute. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they're... I mean, they're obviously not automatic, but every time like, every time that Farabee, Broussard, Ackerson line touches the ice, and then every time that Power Play 2 touches the ice, you got to sit up on your seat because, like, something's going to happen, whether it's a goal, a really good scoring chance, a good defensive play by Broussard. Something is going to happen. I mean, Ackerson's, I think it was his first goal of the night, the one he had on the 2-on-1 with, uh, with Farabee. Atkinson's breakout pass from his own zone. He gave the Bruin a little hezzy. The Bruin made his move, and then he passed it around the Bruin's stick and then right up to Atkinson. I mean, Broussard has been such a good pickup to start this season. I can't even express it enough. $900,000 for what we've gotten out of him so far. We'll yeah. see if he can keep it going because the thing with him is consistency issues. But, man, he's been... That line has been awesome. You don't touch that. Don't don't touch anything. That, those first two lines, do not touch. That third line is kind of worrisome for me. And then the fourth line, you do not touch that either. I mean, you can touch that line. You can always mess with fourth lines. Dude, I remember texting you the other day, and I was like, "This is a guy who was penciled in at three C, maybe even third line like wing." Mm-hmm. And then he comes in, fills in 2C Hayes's role, and he's doing a better job than Hayes probably would be doing. I mean, this yeah. If not better, for sure. I mean, there's that, f- dude. He has one goal, four assists, five points in three games. I mean, and and he he should have more. Like, do you remember that one play where we text each other, like, dude, he's stupid. Where he had like one hand at the puck yeah. without even looking at it to Atkinson in the yeah, slot, the and he slot. just yeah. He's no, nah, he's just having an extremely good start to the season. I mean, he's played under AV before, so I'm sure he's comfortable. He was comfortable coming into camp. That's something that me and you talked about. Like he didn't walk into that camp wondering what was going to happen because he already has gone through training camps with the coach. So he knew what to expect. He started the camp out running, um, and he hasn't stopped since. He's been really good, man. Yeah, I think that's been the case with Yandel, too. I think the, the fl- familiarity with Elaine Vigneault has allowed these guys to just kind of slot in beautifully because they know what to expect from him from the coach. Uh, one constant theme I hear from players that play under Elaine Vigneault, they always say, oh, he just lets me be free on the offensive end. He lets me, mm-hmm. like do my thing, open my game up. He's, everyone says that. Everyone on the Flyers have said that. And everyone who has came here from another team that has played under AV before is now reiterating that this year. Sure. Um, I mean, it's pretty evident when I mean, you look at it. After the Flyers get into – after they pass through the neutral zone and get into the offensive zone, it seems like just people, our players just go into creative mode and just start creating. I mean, Fairby is one of those guys that's always doing something. Axon's made a couple fancy moves for Sar. It's, it's really fun watching this team gel together. Start out pretty hot. Oh, perfect segue. Because one thing I definitely want to talk about on this episode, I said it before the episode, is what is <laughs> Joel Farabee's ceiling? Now, I think this is an interesting conversation. And, like, I, I wish there was, like, our listeners could join this conversation, too. Because I want everyone's opinion on this. Because when I sit there and think about it, it's one, I, I don't know. Like, I really yeah. don't know. Like, you cannot put a ceiling, a cap on this kid right now, I don't think, because 
he is just getting better and better. Like at 19, he comes to the NHL, little little tiny stint in the AHL, gets bounced up, has has a decent rookie year, like a, a, a normal rookie year. Mm-hmm. Then comes back, changes his number, and he was the brightest spot on a really dark team last season. And I, there was a part of me that was like, yeah, he scored 20 plus, he looked great. I thought he was going to look great, and he looked great. But there was a part of me that was like, is this because the team sucks so much, a little bit less pressure? Someone's got to score the goals. Like, if everyone's sucking, someone's got to be good. And, like, seeing this year, like, the team's being great and him just looking even better, it's got me wondering, like, what what is he in three years from now? Like, it's scary to think about. He already has a 20-goal season under his belt, and that season was 55 games. Like, yeah. it's scary to think about. See, the thing in a with, good way. The thing with him is, like, I don't know what his ceiling is going to be, and a lot of people do not know what it's going to be, but I tell you one thing. He definitely has a chance to completely outplay his contract, like, this season. This season, dude, absolutely. <laughs> like, dude, dude, that line in general makes, like, 7 million total. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's pretty scary. It, it, it's really... Like, right now, not not taking in Faraby's contract that kicks in next year, that line makes no money besides Atkinson. It's pretty funny. I mean, n- no money from NHL perspective. A lot of money from, from me and your perspective. Yeah. Faraby's still making... A lot of money. Yeah, I love Cam Atkinson. It's been. I, I love Cam Atkinson because he's like just what the Flyers missed. Oh. Honestly, for so long, he's just what the Flyers missed. Have you seen what those that one Twitter account on Twitter is trying to say about Atkinson and and Voracek and how? Yes. Yes. Who, 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 I wasn't even gonna acknowledge. I really wasn't. I, I didn't even want to acknowledge it because I thought. I want to talk about it. I didn't like the way they presented their arguments. And yeah. I saw Dan Silver say this, and it's fact. Like, the smugness of which they presented the arguments, like, like God, go take another drink, Fletcher. Like, I don't think it's that bad. If anything, I think it's a trade that just helped both teams. Yeah. And, in a way, both teams won the trade. The Flyers needed a shoot-first winger in Cam Atkinson, and that's what they got to play next to the Broussard or Hayes eventually. And columbus needed a playmaker to play next to line and that's exactly what the both teams got both teams are doing good right now and with the players that they got like it things would always blow my mind especially when it comes to like trade talk and breaking trades down years after months after is that people always have to, to put like a label on a trade and say this team won a trade this team lost a trade when like that is not the case every time like, two teams can win a trade two teams can lose a trade and right now the Flyers and the Columbus Blue Jackets have both won this trade, in my opinion. The Flyers get a shoot-first winger who has been putting up, who has three goals, one assist, four points in three games. And then they got uh, Columbus has Voracek, who I don't know how many points he has. I don't care. But I'm sure he's playing well over there. With, I mean, he's a playmaking. He's not a center, but he's a playmaking winger who's playing with Patrick Line, I'm sure. So both teams making out well. Yeah, those same people that are saying that are the ones who label a winner and loser in a trade three games into a season. Yeah. I mean, like, let's be real. Let's check back at game 75, or let's check back when Atkinson's scoring playoff goals, and Voracek probably won't be. I mean, I'm just saying. I know that's a team thing, but I'm definitely, just saying. Definitely a team thing, but, I mean, we could still say it because it's probably most likely going to happen because the Flyers are going to make the playoffs this year. Well, you know, I'll take it a step further, Stumps. Ready? Mm-hmm. We got one... Outside of 2012, because Voracek was still new there, I'm going to say um, we had (laughs) basically one playoff series win with him as an integral part of the core. Atkinson just might get two this year. 
already. Uh, we have two. Oh, are you not counting the the Penguin series? I was not. I was like after his eight million dollar. Okay. After yeah. he was a part of the core, um, and like that, it was him. It was Giroux and him. And you're saying Atkinson has a chance this season to make more to of just an go out and win two. Yeah. Than he go did. out and win two series and maybe score some clutch playoff goals where you know he, you know, elevate elevated it. I think there's. I think you have a a great point. I think there's a. In April, March is when you can really come back to this kind of trade. Because this trade didn't involve picks. It didn't involve prospects. It involved two veteran players who were going to go on different teams and play to make the playoffs. So I think we can come back here in April and March and see where these two teams are, see where these two players are, and then probably make a, a, a nice grade on, on the trade. Now, the trade can still go both ways. I, I Come March and April, we could sit back down here go over this trade and, and still say, I hey, I think both teams won the trade, and then we can walk away. But then we can go back in March and completely say that we won the trade or Columbus won the trade, but we don't know. But I think considering the fact that these two teams traded active players, like active veteran players, I think we can come, come back come playoff time and, and make a good grade on this. Yeah, and it's like we, we know Voracek gets assists. We know he's yeah. going to be passing a line A, and we know he's a good passer. The, the the thing was, and I saw that same account tweet that um like to refute this point, saying the Flyers have a ton of shoot first wingers. Yeah. I don't know where you got that from, and buddy. They, like, and they threw JVR in there. <laughs> oh my god, bro! Yeah, maybe redirections, but yeah, like he scores most of his goals in the in the dirty areas in the crease with redirections. JVR is not a sniper. He's never been a sniper, so I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, we have guys who can get assists. J- JVR scored that slap shot goal in the bubble, and his face looked surprised that it went in when he scored it. He turned around and was like, holy fuck, I just ripped that. Remember when he scored that? We were surprised. Yeah, we were like, he was JVR, surprised. what the fuck? He was surprised. You could tell it in his face. He's not a sniper. He's a, in the dirty areas, in the right spot. He's has one of the best hand-eye coordination in the league. He's been deflecting goals since I was fucking 10 years old. That's how he scores his goal. Not he's not a sniper. There's literally not one sniper on our team besides Atkinson, Faraby. You can make an argument for, and then Giroux when he wants to be. That's the only three dudes. Literally, the only three guys. I think Lawton has a pretty good shot, but he's not a sniper. Yeah, definitely not. I would definitely not label Lawton a sniper. He's just one of them dudes where like he'll surprise you. <laughs> yeah, like, Damn. if he has the puck in the slot. You might want to sit up a little bit. It might, it, it, he might just roof it. Even when he's coming down the wing now, I'll stand up because usually like, a couple years ago, before he really like found the place for himself in the NHL, he'll he'll come. He would come down the wing, and I would all right. I would kind of like look the other way because it would either be a dump or like a deflection or just lose the puck. But now he comes down the wing with with speed. He's just a, such a completely different player now. And I sit up in my seat a little bit. I'm like, okay, he could he could go top left here. Like I've seen him do it over and over again. Like it's not like a one time thing with this dude. Like he Lawton, I fuck with Lawton, dude. <laughs> I really dude. Like I love in his goal the other day. The, I was actually laughing after he scored. I don't know about you. Like him and Yandel. Yeah, because he was just so <laughs> amped up. He's, he's like yeah, like the high five and all. I no, loved it. Dude. You know what? You know what kind of caught my eye when Lawton scored that goal. And like he's celebrating, and like he hit his he hit his back against the glass to the fan, and then Yandel comes over, and like Lawton is like mid screaming yeah, and then he looks over to his right and then sees that Yandel is like coming over and screaming like with him, and he starts laughing. Like Yandel must be the funniest fucking dude in the world. That Scott Lawton just scored a big goal. You know how Scott Lawton usually looks after his goals. 
he looks <laughs> at you and you start laughing. Like he has to be the funniest motherfucker on the planet, dude. Like I know I've seen so many people say that he's easily the funniest person in the NHL. So I, I can't imagine. He's so funny. He cracks me up, dude. I I can imagine what he's brought to that locker room in terms of just, like, enlightenment and just feeling good about yourself day in, day out. Like, when you're showing up to work morning, in the morning, I'm going to see Keith Yandel today. He's going to make me cry of laughter. I want to go to work. Last year, nobody wanted to come into Philadelphia and and, and work. Chuck Fletcher said it in his interview. He said people were miserable last year, walking around with smug faces. Nobody wanted to be here. This year, I mean, this team feels like a family already, and we're three games in, man. I mean, you got, like, Keith Yandel, like, he's, I, I could talk about Keith Yandel all day. I'm, I'm going to stop now. But, like, what he's brought to the team on the ice has been one thing. But off the ice, we don't know too much about because, number one, we're not credentialed, so we're not in there. We can't see anything. And, number two, we're not we're not the players. So, we really don't know what goes down in that locker room. But, like, that really, he looked over at him and just started laughing. I'm like, he just might, he, he's got to be just so fucking funny, dude. Such Dude, a- did you listen to his mic'd up on TNT during <laughs> yeah, the game? Yeah, when Marshawn made that movie. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's <laughs> us, bro. Like He's just a, a fellow, like, dude just in the NHL. <laughs> just, he's just good enough to be in the NHL. He must be such a fun dude to hang out with and, like, play with as your teammate. Like, awesome. I love it. But, yeah, I love me a good angry Lawton goal, though. Like, the, the, oh it's God. so funny to me. They get me fired up, but I also, like, crack up watching the highlights later because, like, he just scores goals and then just starts belting out battle cries. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> the game against Ottawa, where he... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too. I love that one. I would pay money to know what he said to that bench. There are two things that I would pay money for to know what happened inside of a locker room within the past couple of years. Number one would be what he said to Ottawa's bench there. And number two, what the fuck Mark Freeman did to this team that made us hate him so much. Love to know that. We'll probably never. I would like to know that we'll one, We'll never too. figure that out because whatever happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. But, I mean, maybe when they're, like, 60 years old and, like, they're <laughs> they're coming back for, like, an alumni game, they'll, they'll, they'll tell us why they fucking hated them. But until then, I would love to know what, why we were ready to, to kill that dude. It feels like 2019-20, and I want to know your thoughts on this, laid the groundwork for now. And I'll explain a little further. Like, one, it was getting those young guys some important experience in a successful season, a playoff run. But I also think the the team that we had then just wasn't quite it. And the team that we have now is all those holes from that year filled in a way. Because we relied on Nolan Patrick, who was young. Actually, no. No, we didn't that year, right? What? What year? 2019, 20. Yeah, no, no. Definitely no, not the bubble out. year. No. So he was out completely. Yeah. Uh, we were going through, we had Phil Myers, um, bouncing up and down to start the year. And then he settles in and then plays with Sanheim to end the year in the playoffs. I just feel like we relied too much on the young guys that year. And you see it in the NHL all the time, a great young team, but they're just not ready yet. And they get beat by a team like the Islanders, a responsible veteran team. And then the Flyers went out and got some tough pieces, got some physical pieces like Playoff guys is what they got. They got playoff guys. They did. Like, Yandel has five assists already. It is. It's nice to see that the Islanders are 1-2-1 one, and one to start the season, though. I hate them, man. I really do. Montreal. Are they 1-2-1? 1-2-1. One? One, one. Montreal's 0-5. I saw that. That That's crazy to me, but also kind of makes sense because yeah. those Canadian teams, it 
I wonder if it's an adjustment for them to go play American teams. Not even that, dude. They lost Price, Denault, and then Weber. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're definitely injured to shit. Like, Price is gone. But, yeah. like, they should still be able to win a game in the Bell Center against yeah. the Sharks. Like, the other night they got beat by the Sharks. Like, For sure. Definitely. But, like, I like to see that. You were talking a little bit of shit on Cole Colfrell last night. Love to see that. How many he points does awful. he have? He has zero points through three games. I thought he was, like, the, the, the next superstar. No, listen. He looked awful. He looked like... He was, like, fumbling to get to the puck, like, at times, like, when trying to skate. Like, he was struggling to, like, chop his way. You know what I'm talking about? It's the way Tyson Forrester used to look before he fixed the skating. Like, where he's just, like, it's just not crisp enough, and he cannot handle the puck well enough. Dude, Cole Caulfield doesn't look like he did in the finals. I might eat these words. I I really don't give a shit. Yeah, he probably will, because he's a good hockey player. I I was just actually going to come back and say after you stop talking that, like, this isn't me shitting on Cole Caulfield. I'm just so tired of the people who... During that run that they went on last year, acting like we drafted Lucas Spisa 2.0, like that really yeah. pissed me off. Dude. And acting like he's Marty St. Louis, yeah. like that that really bothered. Acting me, Acting like he was Connor McDavid in the flesh, dude. Like get the fuck out of here, man. Like yeah, he's a good player, but but quote unquote Flyers drafted nobody. Like that's that's the shit that pissed me off. No, it's like yeah. every, everyone's gonna take that and then throw it right on York. Like like that doesn't make any sense to me. Because like. I've I've gotten into personal arguments with people that like, I've talked flyers with in person about York and Caulfield. Like, oh, well, Caulfield's in the AHL and York's in the AHL. I'm like, oh, my, like it, uh, Caulfield is playing on Montreal, who's not a very, uh, and he's a winger. Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah, he's a winger. He's not playing on a very stacked team right now. And Cam York is a defenseman. The defenseman just developed differently. And Cam York, I'll admittedly, Cam York did not have a eye popping training camp, which kind of hope he would but he uh he has two uh, two points in two games down there in the ahl he's not going to be down there for very long so i just the people who were like all right like, like like we just got done talking about people do the same shit for drafts that they do with trades they they label drafts six months after it happens just because call caulfield scored a couple goals in the in the fucking playoffs like he looked good in the regular season, but like don't get me wrong i'm not shitting on call caulfield but like the panic button that this fan base hits sometimes is just really frustrating. It, it's, it's extremely frustrating sometimes, but... Yeah, especially like you said, like, York's a defenseman. Not only that, they want to mold him into, like, the power play quarterback, the puck-moving defenseman on the team, and that, that takes time. Like, you can't just fucking do that tomorrow. <laughs> Keith Yandel is literally what they want Cam York to become. Cam York is a better skater, and I think he has a better shot than Yandel, but... That kind of player is what they want York to become. An offensive-minded, kind of two-way, power play quarterback who can pass and break out with the best of them. Does that sound familiar? Like, Cam York sounds like Keith Yandel. And the fact that Yandel's in this organization with York in the AHL is awesome because Yandel can kind of bring him along. Especially if, I mean, I don't want any injuries to happen in the top four or anything or anything to happen to Braun. But God forbid injuries happen. If something happens to one of these guys on the defensive court, and Yandel and York are on in the same lineup together at one point. Like Yandel can really, really help his game because I really think Yandel is the kind of player that York wants to become. I, that's my take on it. No, I agree, and I think when they signed Yandel, they were like, "Like you're not gonna be a teacher, but we have this kid that's very similar to you." And I mean, it just makes sense. Like he's on a one-year deal, and that's gonna expire. And it just kind of seems like this is the roadmap. Like Yandel comes in, maybe he gets extended for another uh, little bit, but maybe not. Maybe they just let him go and then put York in to start next year. Who knows? That's the thing I was just going to say. 
maybe the way they're looking about this, they're like, okay, you sign one year, and then we'll see how Cam York's development go- development goes that year, and then after this year ends, they'll call they'll maybe circle back around the Yandel and. Depending on where York is in his development, if he's ready to jump up and take a role, if he's not ready yet, then like, hey, you know, you want to sign back for another year, and then maybe we can see something like that. Boom. We'll see. We'll see. And like, like, dude, this year seems like it's gonna shape up to be something special, yeah. and this locker room already is special. Like, like we talked about Couturier taking that pay cut and what it do, what it does down the line, especially Faraby too. Like, Faraby like is gonna outplay that contract. So go, down the line, that kind of sent sends the message like hey if you want to be here let's make it work and let's let's keep you here but you might have to take a little pay cut but you get to be a part of this great team that that team that wants to win basically what i'm saying is yandel has all his friends there and if they have a successful season i guarantee he would just want to come back and would do anything probably to re-up if if they have anything remotely resembling a good season like kevin hayes is here like you said all all of his boys are here so yeah i mean it's probably not going to take a lot of prying to get him to come back here if they want him to come back. But at the same time, they're definitely going to look at York and be like, this is our future. If he's ready, we're not going to roadblock him. Especially, I mean, this this regime has shown not to roadblock kids that are ready to, to make that next step. So we'll see. We'll see where things go, bro. This is really exciting. I don't want to, like, jump out ahead and get too excited. We're 2-0-1. But... Especially after having to endure what we did last year. It's really nice to get it off to the start. And we talked about it before. It's just 2-0-1, but it's better than being 0-2-1 and, and like not getting off to a good a good start to this road shit. Like we could be 0-2-1 right now and then going into tomorrow and being like, okay, let's let's hope we come away 1-2-1 from this road trip. Like I mean, from this homestand going into that road trip. You know what I mean? Like just the fact that this new regime, I mean, this, this new team, new faces – got off to this start especially going into a, a road trip that they're about to go into is it's beautiful no absolutely and like you said even if it was like one one and one like if, yeah. if those games like we were getting outshot this that and there was like a little bit of like pause uh for excitement even even that would kind of suck a little bit but the fact that it's two oh and one and the one was a, a shootout loss whatever is what it is team played if that overtime goes up to 10 minutes they probably win the game but now, that Boston game was huge, man. Like, my pop came down an hour after the game ended, and he usually, like, checks the house before he goes up to bed. So he, like, shuts the door, then he opens it up again. He was like, yo, Chris. And I looked over at him. He was like, that was a big fucking win, dude. That was a big win. He was like, I know it's the third game, but that was a big win. I was like, no, you're you're 100% right. Like, they could have lost against Vancouver. I mean, they did lose against Vancouver. They won against the Canucks. I mean, the, the Seattle Kraken. That Boston game really was like I I know it's the third game, but the the way they won it and just it was just a huge yeah. huge huge win for their confidence for this west uh, the west uh, coast trip that's coming up just awesome awesome showing from the Flyers for sure. That's the first like statement game of the year, like the first like like actual test, see where yes. you're at, measuring stick type of game, and people who tune into that national game on TNT, their takeaway was all right. Flyers are still good. The COVID year just fucked them up. I have a question to ask you now. What is your opinion on the whole wrist lining deal? Because if we do look at it, if we do back up and look at it, he was responsible for arguably two of those goals. The 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 Taylor Hall goal he was 100% responsible for. He 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 owned that with the media after the game. 
But then the Marshawn goal, I've seen people argue about that. Be like, oh, like he should have had him tied up, and then blah, blah, blah. He wasn't in the crease, and Marshawn was outside of the crease. So, like, what? But that was a bad play, in my opinion. Both plays. Like, th- that second one, I- honestly, the first one, the change was just like a, a mind fuck kind of thing. But the second one was bad. Like, you need to tie Marshawn up, bro. You're, you're, you're four inches taller than him. You have, like, 60 pounds on him. Like, tie him the fuck up, man. Yeah, absolutely. Like, obviously, I'm not going to, like, overreact to it right yeah, now. Yeah, no, no, you but can't scream about it. it was bad. Because, like, the, my first instinct when I saw or my first reaction when I saw it was, Twitter. like, isn't that what we, like, that's what everyone told me we got him for, was because <laughs> because we the crease isn't clear. Yeah. Because teams are able to get to the front of the net, and we're, we're too soft. And, listen, I'm not saying, like, he's not going to add that. I'm just saying on that one particular play, I was like, I mean, I thought he does that. I thought he's, like, supposed to clear a guy out of the fucking porch especially a short dude like marsham but like like you said back to the mind fuck thing i think it's it's a whole bunch of rust yeah first definitely. it's his first game and it's a big game too it's, it's just, a big game against boston it's not like he came in against the kraken you know yeah. what i mean so it's a big game we'll, against boston without any kind of practice time so i'm not gonna harp on it too much but he did lose a lot of not, not a lot he did lose some defensive zone coverages and that is one thing that does worry me a little because like that was the one thing that buffalo fans that i talked to at least would like tell me like, he loses his defensive zone coverages like when teams are cycling against them he gets lost and I, I saw that a couple times against Boston it, it is worrisome but like you said he had to deal with that upper body injury he missed a couple of practices that was his first game back on national television and he didn't play bad like, I, I don't think he was bad I said it in my article I thought he was okay and I thought that was a pretty fair assessment for him to say like okay was a pretty good grade to give him because he made some good plays yeah I agree I mean yeah let's just give him more time to see how yeah. he plays. Um, like that play against Coyle that led to the power play goal because Coyle got up like a little baby and then decided to take a penalty on Sandheim because he was mad that Rissalino just destroyed him in the corner. And then we scored on the power play right after. Like That's that's why we brought Rissalino in. in. Like, that's what he does, Danny. He pisses teams off. He makes them take penalties. And then he puts our elite power play out there. That's that's what he's here for. That's a be- that's that's yeah. the play that doesn't show up on the fucking score sheet, man. Like, like you said, Sanheim, who was widely regarded last year as, like, one of the softest players on the team, everyone was saying, like, the guy was afraid to throw a hit, he's afraid to, like, yeah. you, you heard it all with, oh, yeah. with Sanheim, and like, like you said earlier in the episode, like, you saw Sanheim throwing hands because he had Risto at his back. I love it. That's the element he brings. Uh, I'm not too concerned about Risto. I saw that one account that argued the uh, Atkinson um, Voracek trade, like, the, the one that said it was a loss for yeah. the Flyers. I wish I knew That's, what the name was. I saw them arguing that they would rather have Gostisbehere first and a second than Ristolainen. And I was like... <laughs> have they seen the plays that Ghost has made over there in Arizona? He got cracked the other night. He got Did cracked really Did you see that? Bad. He looks terrible. What are they... Like, yeah. I, I don't know. You can't even I acknowledge guess, those people. I guess their thought process is like... Because they are like chart people. I guess it's like, well, draft picks and like valuable assets. But like this team is in win now mode and they needed to fill a hole. They filled it. If they didn't do that... Dude, could you imagine right now? Like who wants to hear about another prospect? Like, right now, like, you know I don't, dude. Like I'm, I'm a huge prospect guy. I'm, I'm so far from like we have a lot of good prospects in the system, but I'm, yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm yeah, like right Teo Mala is essentially a first rounder, anyways. So like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not, I'm still not overly concerned with losing those picks that we lost. <laughs> not like, at I'm all. I'm just dude. not because the play that Rissalainen made that I just talked about doesn't show up on the charts or whatever the fuck 
they go by. You know what I mean? Like, there's that, that, that's a hockey play. That's, that's an eye test only thing that you're going to see. And it was a beautiful play, in my opinion. And we'll see with more games under his belt. We'll see him tomorrow against Florida. So let's go. Like you, like you mean to tell me? I'm sorry. I'm still upset about this. You mean to tell me like you would rather have draft capital than to go get a guy who's actually going to be on your team for what we think is going to be a playoff run in a win now year? Like it just doesn't make sense. It's bullshit because a top ten pick can can be a bust. You know what I mean? So like yeah, and the top ten pick also could take six years to be good. Like it's a great point. I mean, everyone. Well, we talk about this all the time. Every player develops completely different. I don't care what their skill set is. I don't care if they are like the have the best hands in the world. Like every player develops completely differently. And like you said, the Flyers are in no position to be trading away assets to the team for future considerations when they're in win now mode. And they are in win now mode. Like their window is open because they have the right core of young players with surrounding with the right veterans right now so their window is wide open in my opinion oh me too and they've kind of solidified it themselves with the moves that they've <laughs> I made. don't want to get too ahead of myself though. I'm sitting here no no because it is I mean like the organization has sold us the ownership has sold us and they haven't lied to us yet they really haven't like Hextall at times would be like oh we're trying to compete when we all knew he wasn't trying to compete <laughs> like this regime wants it bad AV doesn't have a Stanley Cup yet and he has a team that can compete. He wants it bad. Like I, you have to think he wants it terribly. And all the players want it bad. Like you could just feel it. Giroux doesn't have one yet. Everyone on the fucking team is hungry. And they've said it all offseason. <laughs> win now mode. The additions that we got. So like whether they actually do it, that remains to be seen. But they are going for it. Like yeah, they are going for it. Like they might be in a spot. I don't know. Dude, I want to talk about Johnny Goudreau a little bit whenever you get a chance. For sure. Before, right before that, I, I need to see Claude Giroux lift the cup in a Flyers uniform. Dude. I'm going to ball like a baby if it ever happens. But I need to see that before he retires, bro. They really need to go out and get this guy a cup. Yeah, and I think that's what they did. I think they finally got him with pieces that like he could feather a pass to Atkinson and Atkinson can snipe it. But Atkinson can also pass it to him. And Yandel also can give him a one-time. It's a give and take. And Dude, I think it, it fits his needs. You said it when he when he scored that that rocket of a of a shot for his first goal. You were like, he has the team around him now, where he knows that they're good, and he can just go out there and play. Like, he doesn't have to carry anything anymore. Like he has the the depth behind him. He has two other lines that can score behind them. I personally think that third line, especially when Hayes comes back, is going to get changed because right now. I don't hate it. It's Limblom, Lawton, and JVR, but I don't love it. I'd rather Lawton drop down to that that left wing spot next to Thompson, get NAK out of here, and then let's go find another 3C, whether that's uh, when Hayes comes back, whether Frost starts picking it up in the AHL. I would really like to see a Limblom, Frost, JVR line. Uh, it's not, no, that's not saying Lawton's looked bad at all. I think he's better suited in a, in, in a wing role because I think Lawton's done a great job at 3C so far. But I think that line can get better. We'll see. Hayes is going to come back uh, in November 10th is the order he can come back. Allison's still, the jury's still out on him. And then he's still got Frost in the AHL. We'll see what he does this weekend. He needs to have a good weekend. Let's do a quick little AHL uh, update, AHL check. So they haven't played in a while, but yeah. they will play Saturday, Sunday, right? Yeah, they're going to play Saturday, Sunday. Uh, White out games. 
Well, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, the, the Flyers are wearing their their black jerseys tomorrow, so that's that's fun. Oh, yeah. damn! They're still doing that. Yeah, they just tweeted it that. out like while we were recording that they're doing the the third alternates, and they like gave all the dates that they're wearing them, and tomorrow is one of them. So that should be fun. But yeah, the, absolutely. So keep an eye this weekend to see how Morgan Frost does. Yeah, I mean he has Cam to, York. Morgan Frost. I mean, me and you didn't even talk about it on text when it happened. Morgan Frost got benched his last game in the entire. Like, I I was watching the game, and obviously Frost is on the first line. His line was it was Wilson, Frost, and Forrester. And I'm watching, and it's fucking Jackson Cates out there with them. And I'm like, okay, like, did Frost just? It was a power play, so Frost was just like on the ice before. And then another shift went by, and then it was Robustov. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then the cat, I was like, oh fuck, he's hurt. I was about to text you. And then it pans to the camera, and he's sitting right behind Lap. I mean, right in front of Lappy. And then another shift happened. And he wasn't out there. And then the five on three happened. And then a six on three happened. And then he wasn't out there. And I was like, yo, he he got fucking benched. And then after the game, Lappy was basically like, yeah, he's my top offensive guy. He's my leader. I need him to do more offensively. And it was basically it. I, we haven't heard anything since. That was basically the only thing we like. The only explanation we got was he's my top offensive guy. He's the my he's my most skilled guy. He needs to do more than he's doing. And that's literally all we got. So. Yeah, we'll take a look. See it's all how, about, yeah, I can't wait to see, see his response. He, see how he bounces back, man. Like, he needs to come back fucking mad. I need to see some points out of Morgan Frost this weekend, bro. Like, I really do. Really do. Agreed. All right, so you said you want to talk about Johnny Gaudreau. What about him? Yeah, let's wrap this show up on a little Johnny <laughs> Gaudreau talk. Because, what about him? Because, I mean, I've been bringing his name up for the last while now, and the fact that he has his modified no-trade clause is officially kicked in. So he can only can be traded to five teams, and I'm sure one of them is Philly. Uh, we and I'm are. sure the I'm sure the others are teams that are a little bit unrealistic. Probably like Tampa, probably uh, Vegas, Boston, no. probably teams that don't have the the space to get them. I know two teams that are like 100 percent on the on the on his list. It's us 100 percent, and Boston's on there 100 percent. It's all yeah. And you would teams. you would figure that yeah. yeah. Playing for a BU. I mean, he's currently leading Calgary in points right now, but it's only four of them, so he's it's not like he's. Lighting the but what, team up. what you need to keep an eye on mm-hmm. is where they're at near the deadline. For sure. You, that's I want them. I love Calgary. I really do. I want them to fail this year more than any other year because I want to see chaos to the point where because if if they are doing great, they're gonna keep him for one last dance, one yeah. last playoff run, and then try to figure it out. If they suck by then, they might just hit the panic button and deal him for cheap because he's going to walk. Is it even a panic button at this point? Like, it's been, like, a conversation for the last three years that, like, they are thinking about potentially moving him or Monaghan. It was either, like, Gaudreau or Monaghan. They would definitely – I would pick Monaghan. He's, like, 24 years old to build around. But and Plus, he's a center, so. But, yeah, um, I think that the only reason they held on to him was I think they were like, well, we still want to go for it. Like, we still yeah. have a good team. We still want to go for nice. it. But, if, like I said, if there is some chaos near the deadline, if they're, like, far out of it – I could easily see them being like, well, we got to get something for him. going to throw something out there for you real quick, Danny. What if trade deadline happens, Calgary's out of it by then, and they're looking to move him. Frost still hasn't played a game in the, AH, uh, in the NHL. And they're like, you give us Frost in a second or third, and we'll do it. See you. Dude, they're definitely going to want more than that. Yeah. But... but you just said dirt cheap. If they hit the panic button... I mean, would Frost really be dirt cheap? He's our number one prospect. 
Well, the thing is, you gotta make the salaries match. For sure. You know I mean, what I'm yeah, saying? I'm, I'm saying Frost would be like the the big package in that kind of. Obviously, yeah, yeah Frost is definitely, and then the picks too. Frost and the picks are Frost picks are great. And... It's just I don't think that in the flat cap right now they could sling like how, how much do you make like eight mil or some shit like that. Nine uh, mil, seven, seven, yeah, eight or nine. But Frost would be like the prospect. And then obviously you would throw picks in there. And then obviously there had to be like a salary cop conversation, a uh, salary cap comp compensation. Yeah. If we could throw in a comp player, like a salary cap compensation player, and then just to move the salaries, and then Frost, I would even give up more assets after that. Me too. Yeah. At that point, I mean, adding Johnny Gaudreau to that lineup would be fucking... I mean, we would have to trade a, a roster player. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a whole conversation for a different time. Yeah, I have to. But, yeah. Like, my, my, my hope, honestly, is that, like, JVR continues his, like, nice little hot Ooh. start. And then we ship JVR. Frost. And then and then some assets, yeah, whatever they may be. But they're definitely going to have to juice it up a little bit because it's an even salary exchange and not an even talent exchange. So we're going to have to bolster <laughs> up those assets. Definitely. But, yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely you got to keep an eye on this this season for sure. Anything before we wrap it up? We got a game against Florida Saturday. Heart and net. Heart and um, net. Looks like Sealer might come in, right? Definitely, probably. So it's going to go Provera, Braun, Sandheim, Sealer, and then Yandel. No, no, no. Sandheim versus the line, and then uh, Yandel, Sealer. So that would probably be the lineup. What's the prediction? 5-3-W Flyers. I think it's going to be a great game. I got 3-1. Ooh. And I think the the whole game it's gonna be two one flyers until like we get that three zero one whether it's an empty net or like final eight minutes to go three zero and one would be sweet dude it really would three one for three zero and one let's go absolutely thank you to everyone who entered our giveaway and congratulations to the winners we will be doing more of that but I really appreciate everyone who took the time to retweet and like that for us also thank you everyone who showed up to the tailgate and said what's up that was awesome um. Even though we didn't loop win that game, we, uh, it was still a very, very, very fun game to go to. So I want to thank everybody for that. And, yeah, the, the, the giveaway was awesome, too. Yeah, thank you to everyone in general. The support to start this year has just been insane. Yeah, awesome. So, like, thank you to all you guys. Seriously, we really appreciate it. And you can follow us on all socials at the Liberty Yo. And give us a nice review on iTunes, if you may. I'm at TLY Danny, at Chris Stumps. Go floor.